I'm so sorry that it's been so long, my friends. I'm so sorry that I've been somewhat distracted. I've needed time. Time to find my place. To stake my claim there shamelessly and deliberately. I've done just that, I think. I think I should be running. I have the distinct feeling that I'm not safe where I am. That I'm too exposed and too much of a target now. But I've made a promise to myself not to do that. I've made a promise to myself. I've seen things. You know this. I've seen my dark stranger look at me with fear in his eyes. I've seen battle with three great and powerful creatures who sought to destroy me. I've seen a lonely shell of a human girl watch me through my own eyes in the mirror, and as I slept. I've seen her go from being a hapless victim to being a terrifying tormentor. But, worst of all, I've seen you and your kind look at me, the real me, unabashed and revealed in your world, with fear and disgust. I can't go back, though. I can't turn away from this. If you start to find the heart of what you are, the truth of it, you must keep going in that direction. You must never turn back. That is the road to your destiny. I don't know what my destiny is, but I must find it. How overly dramatic. This should be relaxing, shouldn't it? Isn't that why you're here? I can be that for you today. I may have missed you for Halloween, as you call it, but I can still tell you the perfect story. Hmm, let me see. A story for autumn. A story for all souls. Maybe even mine. A long, long time ago, I found myself wandering around a small town. As usual, I won't tell you where it was or exactly who lived there. But do you really need to know that? All you need to know is that it was a small town. Not unlike other small towns that I've discussed. Actually, not unlike your town, I'm sure. Even if it's a big town. A metropolitan city. Or not. It's all really the same wherever you go. And that's an important thing to realize. Anyway, a long time ago in this small town, an autumn festival had ended. No matter what you call it or how you celebrate it, it was a time when this town honored the souls of their dead. Whether they were lost loved ones, or whether they were blessed figures long remembered. We all remember the deceased in some way or another, do we not? And isn't it a sweet thing? It hurts us to do it. It makes us remember what we have lost. But it is sweet to remember. 
even if the memories of the person are not sweet. The gesture of remembrance is, if we feel that it is owed, it is a kindness to remember. I had come to visit this place in a time when I was exploring hidden corners of the world, whether they were populated or completely natural and hidden. This town was a little bit of both. I only went out at night, and I would hide my face, as was my wont in those days, even until recently, as you know. Especially in this spiritual, symbolic time of year, no one would dare approach a cloaked, disguised figure walking in the dead of night. I felt something from this place, now. Remember the time of gifts and prayers for the dead. This time of memory had passed. And yet I felt them calling out. Screaming, almost. I walked to the cemetery. A beautiful sight. Not like the cemeteries that we're used to seeing in our cities, with huge stone tombs and weeping angels and beautiful engravings. No, these were simple. Simple stones with a few letters hand-carved. Some even had one uneven stone planted on the ground with initials. The people here honored their dead with what they had at their disposal. Most graves were still decorated with flowers, fresh from the days past, and candles that had mostly been extinguished by now. It was tucked among a nest of trees leading to a greater forest. This sacred place did not have its own area carved out for it, Rather, it was nestled among nature, among the border where the town ended and the wild began. The cemetery served as a gateway to the unknown. As I walked among these graves, I'm not sure why, but I couldn't help but imagine how many poor souls did not even have a stone on the ground to mark where they rested. How many in this world did not have a single thing left behind to show that they had existed? that they had walked on this earth, lived, felt, loved. I didn't have anything like that. I just had my own self to carry around this globe. Anyhow, I walked, and I walked. It was so late at night that there was no doubt I was alone. The moon streamed through the trees, huge and bright. Not that my keen eyes needed it. But it was nice. Suddenly I heard something several paces to my left. I tried to catch sight of it, but it ran so quickly that I only caught it briefly with my peripheral vision. It had been small. A child. And I heard its small laughter. <laughs> Come here, little one. I whispered, and turned to follow it. I moved quickly among the graves, looking for the small creature again. Where did it go? Then I heard a sigh behind me. Whipping my head around, I saw another figure. Larger, though smaller than myself. Hunched over, weary, old, watching me. 
I couldn't make out its face, but I knew it was watching me. The child's laugh again, on my right this time. I turned to look, and the little one watched me too. I couldn't see its face, but I knew it was watching me. I turned back to the old one. It was joined by a tall, strong, looming figure. Also watching me. I was aware now of many silhouettes around me. Watching me. I don't mind telling you that this was the first time in perhaps centuries that I felt afraid. Just a little. Hello. I whispered to them. They didn't move. What can I do? I whispered again. They must have wanted something. Could I give it to them? I looked around and I thought, perhaps it was the candles, the candles at the graves. Do they want them lit once more? I had a tinderbox on me, and I carefully went to a few graves and lit one candle at a time. Though the area around me began to brighten with a warm glow, it did not appease these spirits who stayed where they were. But as I walked and lit candles, I saw their faces more clearly. They were, simply, people. Some beautiful, some wretched, some young, some old, some strong, some weak. They were people. Their faces were gray and very slightly translucent. They all looked at me, unmoving. These lovely people, I thought to myself. Beautiful creatures. Are they lonely, like me? Could I ease their loneliness? Could they ease mine? I took a candle from the ground and lit it. I held it up. A figure stood suddenly right in front of me. A young woman not far from the age I was before I... Before I stopped. Before this. She looked me in the eye and I looked at her. But in the candlelight I could see that her eyes were... Empty. They were not brown, blue, or green. They were not completely white. They were not all black like mine, either. They simply weren't there. Yet she looked right at me. Suddenly I was aware of the child to my left again. I looked down at him. He looked up at me with empty eyes. I looked to my right. The old one staring at me with empty eyes. Behind me I knew the tall one stood, and I knew they too watched me. I waited. I waited for a sign from them. A word. Anything. But nothing came. Why were they here? Behind the girl in front of me, I saw perhaps a dozen more figures hidden among the trees. As I looked into the forest, I saw more and more of them beyond the cemetery. 
They were dressed as if they were all from different times, some from different places. But they all had the same emptiness in their eyes as they looked at me. I must give them something, I thought to myself. I must give them what they want. I kept that candle in my hand. I walked among them through what was now a crowd of the dead, and I whispered a small prayer under my breath. It may not be one of theirs, but it was one of mine from long, long ago, when I was a girl and I was not this thing I am now. I thought it may have been worth something to them. I whispered it as I passed each of them. I kept walking. I did not realize that I was walking in the direction of the town until I looked up and all of them, hundreds and hundreds of the dead, stood between me and the small town. I whispered a little of a prayer that I heard from in the town, one of theirs. They did not move. They looked at me with unyielding expressions even still. What did they want? Why were they so disturbed? Why could they not rest? I wish you peace, I whispered. Be at peace. They did not move. Until I began to understand. I took a step toward the town. They took a small step toward me. They didn't want me here. They took another step. They didn't want my candlelight or my prayers. They didn't want tribute from me. They wanted tribute from the living. They didn't want tribute from the dead. As I looked at them, I realized that their gazes were empty because they didn't want to give me anything. They didn't want me walking among their living loved ones. They didn't want me in their town. Just as I could look right through their eyes, they could see right through mine. They knew what I was. They knew what I craved. I couldn't help but sneer, showing them my uneven fangs. I didn't mean to, but the rage welled up in me in that sneer, and in the tears that fell from my black eyes, and in my claws digging into my sides as I tried to keep as calm as possible. I expected them to be afraid. People usually are, when they see my barely restrained fury. When they see my eyes, and my teeth, and my claws. These were not. I could not hurt them. I could not touch them. They did not fear me. They did not want me. I turned. I blew out my candle. I set it on a grave. I began to walk towards the forest. 
I could hear them behind me. I didn't turn to look at them, but I knew that if I turned around, they would be following me. They followed me to the edge of the forest, where their graves stopped and the unknown began. That, they were telling me, was where I belonged. In the unknown. In the part of the dark, natural world where even ghosts do not venture. It was my folly to think that I was able to bring them peace. It was my ego thinking that one candle and one prayer from me could put them at rest. I used to think that these days, these ceremonies, these festivals that honor the dead were there to appease them, to protect our lost ones, our beloved deceased with prayers and tributes and trinkets to remind them of their goodness so that they may not hurt us. Give them what they want, that they may leave us unharmed. No. These are times when they can protect the living. When the veil is thin enough that they can enter our world, see right through it, and find the darkness, the evil, and root it out. They were protecting their people. From me. I was angry back then because I thought it was unjust. I felt misunderstood. I begin to understand now. Thank you for listening again. Perhaps that is why I'm glad I can help you sleep. If I do help you sleep. If I can bring you a few hours of peace, even, then for a little I can pretend... I can imagine... that I am not the darkness in the woods. Thank you for letting me pretend. Hi there, friends. This is Kristen Zaza speaking to you again. I know it's been so long. It was a really busy couple of weeks. I moved house. I took the podcast to a horror convention. I've switched from one job to another. So thank you so much for understanding about my absence. And thank you for joining me this week to listen to episode 40 of On a Dark Cold Night. I have so many thank yous this week. Uh, you guys really made October an amazing month for me. So here we go. First, a huge thank you to Alex over at Audio Drama Rama. After including me in their awesome list of podcasts to check out this Halloween, they also pledged $3 a month to supporting the show on Patreon. In fact, this was a really great Patreon month for the show. Big thanks are also due to Scott Moyer, who pledged $1 a month on Patreon, and to Achilles Imitata, who pledged $5 a month. I'm totally speechless, and I can't say enough how much I appreciate the support. If you want to be like Achilles, Scott, and Audio Drama Rama, 
and help me out by donating as much or as little as you can, head on over to my pages on Patreon or Coffee. You can find me there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight and ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Every little bit truly helps. So thank you so much, friends. Next, a huge thanks to Friends Mazur for leaving a really awesome review of the show. The review is called What a Show, and it reads, There is something hypnotic about literally every aspect of this production, something dark and raw, elegant and quite scary. Each episode brings us further and further into the heart of our otherworldly narrator as she relates to us tales of the supernatural realm around us that she's either experienced firsthand or has been told by another. You simply must give this show a go if you love horror. Much love from Mr. Watson. Thank you so much, Mr. Watson, for consistently vocalizing your support of the show. Word of mouth is so important for podcasts, so this means so much. And thanks to Angie, who tweeted at me, I just found this podcast Monday. It has become my favorite. I have been binge listening to it every chance I get. Thank you, Angie. And if you also want to share your thoughts about the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes, Podknife, Stitcher, Facebook, or anywhere else you like. Tweet us at a dark cold night, or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast. Or feel free to shoot me an email at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, if you want to help out a different way, you can listen to the show on the Radio Public app where every listen goes toward paying your podcaster for their hard work. Anyway, again, thank you for your patience and for all of your support this month. I'm so happy to hear from fans who have been enjoying the show, so please feel free to keep reaching out. I'm back to my weekly schedule, so keep checking in every Wednesday for a new episode. And yeah, thank you so much. I hope you all had a happy Halloween and that your Novembers are off to a great start. Take care, friends. Good night. Good night.